Hey everyone, welcome to Technogate. Um, we are doing our season finale uh, after party here, so um, things are going to be a little bit more relaxed. We're not going to be doing an actual game um, today, but we're going to be talking a lot about what happened in season one, um, what we're planning on doing moving into season two, um, and then just uh, kind of maybe just going over characters a little bit more. Um, and kind of flushing out a few things as well as um, we're going to start off here by kind of talking about some of the um, repercussions of what happened at the end of season one um, with the death of the main bad guy, the, the arch nemesis Mudden and all of his clones as well. Um, but before we do that, let's go ahead and just kind of start off here. Um, so we have uh, Phaedra Bennett that is being played by Amber, um, who is a good friend of mine and worked with me on a 40-person tabletop Gen Con event. Um, how's it going, Phaedra? Doing pretty good, pretty good. So Phaedra, tell me a little bit about your character um, and how you kind of got into this game here. And, and uh, um, you know, just a, a little background info on, on the character that you built and what you played through Season 1. Okay, uh, so starting off, I've I've never played uh, technocracy whatsoever. I didn't even know what a progenitor was until we started on episode one. So that's that's my excuse why I don't really know much about my character. Uh, but her background story was she met Mudden fifteen years ago. When she, he murdered uh, her mother. Leading up to that, she was trying, uh, her mom was a prostitute in Las Vegas. Uh, she wanted to get a better life for her mom. In order to get enough funds to go to college, she started job searching a little early uh, and met Mudden at a job interview. Felt super bad vibes and, and yeeted out of that, but somehow found her home and killed her mother instead of her. Uh, so ever since she had been researching the cult and following him crime scene to crime scene, and that's how she met uh, her current group of people. Um, so the death of Mudden right now, it's a little hectic. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, a very traumatic time for your character, um, for sure, um, and <clears throat> and it will probably be something that it'll be interesting to see how your character acts and what they do in season two. Um, and um, really, we're going to be trying to kind of change it up. That we're going to be, you know, kind of just not really doing necessarily season two, but we're we're going to be launching Technogate 1999. Um, so, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how how you develop your character moving forward, um, because there's just so much life and so much to your character, um, but but Mudden was a good chunk of, of that story to your character and how your why your character was part of Technogate. And, um, but I think that she's kind of found a home here, um, at least within the group. Yeah, and she still has one more goal to do, so... <laughs> oh, sticking yeah. around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
All right, so and then we have uh, Tycho Vance that is being played by uh, Mike, good friend of mine who also does podcasting with me and did a 40-person ga- uh, tabletop game at Gen Con. Um, how's it going, uh, Mike? Oh, pretty good. Didn't have to work today. Always a good thing. Um, so tell me a little bit about your character Tycho Vance and um, what what kind of stuff you um, you built for the background story for your character. Well, I don't know where it came from, but essentially he was a kid who grew up on the base. His mother was uh, in the Q division. She was the, the big scientist. And his father was an adventurer, uh, Buck Sampsonite. And Buck Sampsonite famously disappeared uh, in 1978, I think. It's in my document somewhere. Um, And then at some point in his uh, childhood, Tycho met up with some werewolves and they took him on an adventure for about four years. And now he's back. And the werewolves don't like him anymore so much. So his mom got him a job on a Technogate team. And then he found out that uh, his fate was intertwined with these other people. Uh, And he constantly bothers everybody about where is his father? What is he thinking about? Is he thinking about me? You know, stuff like that. And then at some point we figured out that nobody really knows if my father was really my father. So that'll be fun. Well, you did learn uh, one thing was that Mudden, um, Mudden did know your father and, and said that he was a nemesis of his. Yeah, Mudden was that... like, oh, yeah, Buck Samsonite? I know that guy. That was it. Yeah, that, that was... Well, and then you killed him, so... Yeah. You didn't really delve too too much deeper into that area. Um, but uh, you also d- uh, did a bunch of running around with werewolves with your character, right? Yeah. The answer to that is yes. Do you want me to elaborate? <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead and elaborate just a little bit on, on what your experience was. Why, why was a technocrat hanging out with a bunch of werewolves? Oh, uh, so... Using some of the mythos from the Madison Under Siege stuff, the, the Gen Con game that you constantly reference, um, I used some of the characters from the Werewolf game to say that uh, my mother knows some of the like higher-up werewolves. So one day they, they found a thing out in an umbral realm, and they didn't know what it was. So... Walter, one of the uh, elders in the Madison area, was like, oh, go over to uh, the Vance household and have, have uh, Tycho's mom look at it. But Tycho's mom wasn't home. So I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is technocratic. And I was like, I know how it works. And they were like, this is time-sensitive. Come with us. And that's when I left. And they were called the Diamond Dogs. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, and then uh, you hung out with them for a while before coming back over to Technogate, and then uh, one of your first missions was to go 
uh, capture Phaedra, actually, in, believing with the technocrats believing that she was possibly the one, possibly Mudden, basically. Yeah, that seems so long ago now. Yeah, it, it was quite a long time ago. It was it was last year. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's go ahead and move on here. Um, next person that we have here is uh, Malachi, um, who is being played by um, Hockerman, and he's a good friend of mine. Um, we've played multiple games with each other over the years, and I was uh, privileged privy, uh, privileged to be able to join um, his gaming group and Mike's gaming group for a bunch of really awesome games, and I'm glad to have him on the show here. So how's it going, uh, Hockerman? It's going pretty good. Awesome. So yeah, go ahead and tell me a little bit about uh, Malachi's background story and uh, how you kind of got sucked into this group here. Yeah, I was a, a late addition, um, which uh, was completely fine. I kind of prefer it just because you can understand the role that you're coming into a little bit better. Um, and he, uh, Malachi, he uh, started out in a military family. Um, we'll say technocracy adjacent. Uh, made some, made some friends with uh, a tradition mage, and then. That obviously, you know, when he got into the technocracy, that was a problem. Uh, he did all the right things, but didn't really convince him that uh, that he didn't view the tradition mages as the deviants that they are. And because of that, he got uh, assigned to work with the civilians and also help protect them um, due to uh, uh, the dangers that they were that they were heading on, which would be, you know. TG42? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so awesome. I got assigned with TG42 to keep him, keep basically, uh, my, my envisioning is that the brass wanted to keep him close, or to, enough to keep an eye on him, but far enough away that he's not, he's not putting himself in, in danger. Right, you of, kind of uh, black sheep to yourself. Yes, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, um, last uh, but definitely not least is um, Robert Kell being played by um, good friend Ricky, um, who um, has been a recent addition to the uh, gaming world through, um, has done a couple little things here and there, but uh, um, this is one of his main long-term campaigns that he's been on. How's it going, Ricky? Good, good. Got the day off, which is always nice on a Monday. Yeah, I was really happy that we had today off, and, uh, <laughs> and no, uh, we didn't. Get and I didn't have to get called in, yeah. so even better Monday. <laughs> I was just about to say, I checked the emails, I just didn't see us getting called in, so I was happy about that. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about your character, um, Robert Kell. So, like you kind of mentioned, I was not really someone who had played much tabletop games. Um, I'd done a few sessions of D&D here and there. I was completely new to the World of Darkness side of things, besides, you know, Vampire the Masquerade, the PC game. Um, so, Robert was kind of the tried and true. Uh, he he kind of was existing on the periphery of a lot of the the deeper lore and that kind of thing. He wasn't really one of those people that was 
given much knowledge of some of the deeper stuff just so that I could kind of use them as a blank slate to learn along a little bit, um, learn a, a game I had not played, a world I hadn't experienced, that kind of thing. Um, so I got to kind of experience it through his eyes for the first time, too. Um, just kind of an easier way for me to still feel like I'm contributing without needing to know everything that I need to know type thing, I guess. Um, so he was kind of, yeah, just your basic, he had worked on the periphery, but um, no real like knowledge a, of the technocracy. He did like psychological scans on people. that. Yeah, he was, uh, he was helping, helping with the, the therapy from some of the things people came across without really knowing the the background of what they were actually dealing with. It was more just kind of the after effects. Um, so he had seen kind of gotten an idea of the stuff he'd be, he'd be seeing, but not in any level that prepared him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then, uh, and then you kind of came on board to Technogate as the same kind of way as um, you, you were there to kind of keep the psychological understanding of what's going on. Um, yep with with the group and kind of was introduced as a as as the the shrink basically for the group and a job since, i would not wish on anyone no and and, <laughs> and since then you have you have monitored and copied the minds of of your fellow yeah i'm pretty sure i could like back up anyone that needed it at this point <laughs> or restore anyone rather <laughs> So um, the next thing I think I just want to kind of go into is this kind of a, like, what are some of the favorite times that you kind of had for your different characters? And, um, you know, what's the most memorable event that you have, um, you know, that hap what, what happened to your character um, in this game? Um, and so I just want to start off uh, with Phaedra here. So what, what, was, what would, do you think is the most memorable event that you had during uh, Technogate? I mean... There were so many. <laughs> uh, my favorite one. And, and feel free to go, you know, through a couple ones if you want as well. If you have like a a couple. That I you mean, have. there was the time where was that the under dark where we were at when we were trying to find uh, Mudden's secret. Uh, uh, laboratory the, the abyss the abyss yeah where i had to drink myself <laughs> oh yeah where you were gonna fall into the abyss if you didn't drink yourself literally just kept popping pills until i ran out and then said screw it shoot me <laughs> uh and then uh, i mean obviously uh when we were grabbing, uh, I guess the ghoul blood, just saying, "Screw it, let's just run him off the the road." That was that was pretty fun. <laughs> the whole the whole coming up with the whole plan on just smashing him with a semi truck and just taking his blood and going. <laughs> that was that was pretty cool. I remember that. That was yeah. that's not too long ago, that, actually. That minis. Uh, successful uh, roles, all those twenties. <laughs> oh my God, that was that was just 
beautiful to see that that it, it was so successful you basically and then and then me remembering that bashing damage actually uh, because i was like wow you killed 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 him <laughs> and and then i was like wait a minute bashing damage it you know you have to roll over so that it goes to lethal damage and then lethal damage can kill you and i was like wow you got him all the way to like i believe he was uh unconscious or at negative five with lethal damage um so you'd basically decimated the guy but you didn't kill him <laughs> it was like the perfect roll I remember that drive roll. It was uh, something like two successes for the first roll and then like, I don't know, nine for the second. So I was so happy. And then, oh my God, I just murdered the dude. <laughs> yep. Those are my faves. <laughs> All right, cool. So, uh, Tycho, um, what were some of your favorite um, scenes or, or oh. games that we played? Let's see. Um, I love having the... It, at this point, it's almost a running joke of me pining for my father. I, I hope that it, you know, eventually like, turns into a cool thing. Uh, but at this point, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with where it is because it's like, there is something wrong with this kid. Um, so, so learning about, like, figuring out what that actually is in the future, I think is going to be pretty fun. Um, in terms of gameplay, let's see, the, uh, when we went into the Umbra and you gave me that rocket launcher, <laughs> what was it? It was like super duper laser gun, and then it did like two damage. <laughs> and did you get stuck with a yeah, sword? What's that? And didn't you didn't you get didn't you do the whole line that she, she uh, he he stabbed me with a sword, Mal? Um. <laughs> yeah, I got it with a sword. You hit me with a sword, Malachi. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. If you, if you don't get that reference. Watch Serenity, one of the greatest <laughs> movies ever made. Um, and then the other one is um, the race on Octonia. Oh, uh, the race! I I I feel like as a GM, that was one of my crowning achievements of of a a fun kind of one shot showing you of of another dimension, um, and and it just that was just such a fun race. And the things that you guys did, your car was ridiculous that entire race, like busting through that wall, jumping over. Um, uh, Malachi's character and jumping in front of uh, the 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 biker dude that you guys raced and you guys still have those motorcycles you've never used them um, but you have motorcycles for umbral travel well we cut out we have the what you guys have the bikes the the umbral uh, highly advanced bikes that package up into like little you know, squares basically, and you can throw them out of your pocket and go flying around on a crazy bike that you guys won from that. Do we just have the one? Uh, yeah, I believe no, you have two. two. I didn't get one because I wasn't driving. Because I believe both you oh, yeah. and Malachi beat him. Yeah, I think we did. 
Yeah, I got, um, I got that bike on my sheet. Yeah, uh, but along those lines, there's a, there's a phenomenon that people who don't play RPGs a lot uh, probably don't know about, and that's when you think back about things, there, there starts to be like a melding of remembering playing versus remembering what you thought it looked like. And like that one part where I took the lead where I busted through a wall. Like I I like visually remember that. And, oh, I totally uh, visually remember that. Like I have a, a whole visual like 30 second clip in my brain of that uh, a specific event. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting phenomenon that I think a lot of people. Well, I suppose if you read books, you probably get the same thing. But uh, you know, when you're the character, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so uh, Robert, um, what were some of your favorite uh, um, events that you kind of or scenes that you went through in the game? In terms of just uh, like holy shit, I can't believe all that just happened type stuff. Definitely the the setup and execution of uh, getting that blood sample was probably at the top. Um, close second was probably me sneaking up and popping a cap point blank into bad dude's head. Oh, <laughs> uh, as as a guy who didn't really have a good luck uh, in fight scenes. Prior to that, that was a nice uh, moment to finally have after doing some shooting training and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that did come like immediately after your training and stuff. So yeah, you had, yeah. it had like really been like your character evolved at that point. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a cool moment. Not not, not just feeling like you're kind of there along for the ride when the bad guys show up, but actually being able to. <clears throat> take someone down like that in that moment it was cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so um, I think the, the next kind of segment that I kind of just want to go into is just basically um, what were, what, what are some of the things that um, we want? Just Malachi. Oh, shoot. <clears throat> Sorry. I don't know why I did that. Malachi. Um <laughs> Sorry about that. What are some of your oh, no. uh, favorite moment memories that you've had? Well, uh, uh, Robert just inspired one of when he when he capped that guy. That was the first episode that I had played, and also so like I was brought in like, all right, you're gonna be the gun hand. You're gonna, you know, you need to help out with these combat scenarios. I'm like, all right, I got it. And then like he just shoots the dude in the back of the head. And I'm like, wait, what am I here for? <laughs> But uh, <laughs> well, you did pierce it what through the heart, I think, like right away at the beginning of the fight. Like that was like one of your first actions, I believe, was to to shoot it, and you got like seven or eight, nine damage, something like that, and it just was able to mitigate a bunch of it. Yeah, because he had a bunch of like floating cards. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, I really enjoyed the um, the stakeout scene of the uh, of the vampires. Didn't know what was there. And just like coming up with all of the uh, contingencies that we did, and like trying to cover all of the angles to make sure we weren't surprised, but we still got the information that we needed. Um, I, I enjoyed that whole the whole sequence, uh, along with getting the blood. That's, that was obviously a really I like driving that truck. But uh, um, yeah, the 
to be unique, it would be the the scene of the stakeout of the warehouse. Oh yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a good scene. Um, I I have a visual memory of uh, like Mike busting through the wall of releasing that RC helicopter as just like a creative way of solving the whole. They don't have advanced drones yet. They do have RC helicopters. <laughs> Absolutely, they do. Well, we have ourselves a drone. <laughs> yeah, and oh, I suppose I would. Um, I should say what my uh, favorite moment was, and um, I think my favorite moments were playing uh, Maxi um, through it. Any time that you guys like ran into or talked to Maxi um, was just a really fun time for me as a GM to kind of jump into, or try to jump into a character and and uh, just kind of be off the wall and kind of crazy, but know that like there's a bunch of information that this character has and that she doesn't give away information freely normally and will and usually if not asked, she probably won't even think to tell. No, Maxie. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my only scene with Maxi was uh, you guys where like things are falling out of the sky, and you guys are just like, "Oh no, that's normal." <laughs> just like continue on. Like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm gonna steal her vats one day. This happening. <laughs> yeah, did we? My own. I think there's a couple like a couple games that we played that we didn't publish yet, and um, I think that um, I'm trying to remember which ones we did do with. Uh, you know, in season one with Maxi, but I know, I know that you guys did a, um, cause yeah, the, the, when you guys went to the matrix, when you first met her was, that was not, uh, in season one, that was kind of the prelude of the game. So there wasn't a whole bunch of her in season one, but she definitely will be pretty big in season two. Um, so one of the things, um, that uh, I want to do in this next segment here is kind of go over and see what would you guys like to see more of or what do you want, um, you know, in season um, two or the next uh, uh, Technogate 1999. Um, so we'll start off here um, once again with uh, Phaedra. If you have any comments, any any things that you wanted to push forward with your character, um, I believe you have a character storyline that you're you're going to be wanting to push uh, now that Mud instead. I need more time for research and to do more experiments, because like it always seems I get about like a two second window to just hurriedly put out some crap pills or or some bandages. And I can't do off-the-wall stuff, uh, like creating human-sized hornet nests or something like that, because that takes a lot of preparation. Uh, so you'd like to see more of the being able to spend that week of downtime to really get everything prepped and ready, um, you know, before... Uh, having to jump into and, and b not just jumping right into a uh, a mission to get the mission and then to be be able to use a bunch of time to prep a bunch of stuff um, for specifically for that mission. Yes. Yeah. No. I I completely agree with that. And I think I think that's one thing moving forward is that that week downtime. Um, you'll also have a week. 
usually leading up to the the mission, give or take. There'll be some missions that will be, you know, oh, there's an emergency. We need you to go through the techno gate and go do something on in another universe or whatever. Um, but uh, a lot of your missions um, will be something I think I'll allow for you guys to prep, and we can use a lot of that game time in the the first, you know, hour and a half, you know, being prep and then doing some stuff in in the world. Uh, well, not I would say probably only about 40 minutes maybe of prep time. But yeah, we can definitely, I think, spend more time on making sure that your characters have not necessarily more time that we need to spend in, um, in the game on it, but we can also, but we can say that, you know, inside the game, there's more um, time for you, you know, that you have like a week of prep so you're not scrounging to try and get something together. Thank you. Awesome. Um, all right, so uh, Tycho, any any suggestions or any things that you want to push more in uh, in the next upcoming games? Uh, the only one that I have ready right now is kind of a tongue-in-cheek one, uh, but it's I, I want a theme song. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> you want a theme song <laughs> for the for Technogate, or for your yeah. character? No, just Technogate. Okay, I was gonna say every time that your um, character walks into a room, you want a theme song that. <laughs> oh, like a like a sitcom. Oh god, can we go to the sitcom realm? That would be good. Oh. You know, actually, since it's going to be, it's such a big thing that's going on with WandaVision, I, f I feel like we should go to a sitcom black and white realm um, in, in, in 1999. Yeah. Oh, uh, but, but along those same lines, um, I don't know if you guys know this, and I'm not sure how like big this is, but apparently 2021 is the year of the sea shanty. So. Oh, I love sea shanties. I love me some sea shanties. You know, everybody loves sea shanties, and they just don't want to admit it. <laughs> I introduced it to uh, the marketing girl at work, and she's uh, now going to work it into the playlists for pregame. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just imagining like a, like a, a void engineer out in space sea shanty, uh, where it's like it's the wake-up call. Uh but maybe that wouldn't fit exactly with the Technogate theme, so I'm 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 workshopping it. Okay. Also, okay. you know, it, it can't be long. It's got to be like thirty seconds or something. Um. Yeah. But yeah. If if uh, if we could get a, I would love that. Um. The one other thing that I would like to do is to maybe get character portraits um done of all of your characters, and we can use that more um during the games and um. One thing I'm, I've been thinking about doing is um, seeing about maybe getting a bunch of sketches done. Um, so like not something that's like full um, color or anything like that, but just something that's really, really uh, cheap to just kind of throw up a bunch of scenery and stuff like that that we'll be using. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna. I'm um, definitely interested in adding some more kind of aesthetics. Oh, hey, Orange, how's it going, man? Uh, yeah, Wandavision is pretty, pretty awesome, man. Pretty happy about that. 
definitely looking forward and i people are kind of complaining that it's all it's being week by week and i say to them i'm kind of happy it's week by week because it just gives me something to look forward to you know and i don't binge it all at once and then i'll just binge it all at once when it's all out anyways so i don't know if anybody else has an opinion on that <laughs> i'm already I waiting think... to binge it all at once <laughs> I, I think the first two episodes were a little weird, but I've I've got high hopes. Well, I definitely I just, feel like it's a uh, it's not exactly what I was expecting. That's for sure. Um, but I, I don't want to spoil anything. But it was definitely different. Uh, but I liked it. I killed the uh, Mandalorian in like both seasons inside of like four or five days. I'm, I'm basically waiting to do the same thing for WandaVision. I'm just like, once they finish, then I'll just do all of it in three days. Oh, yeah. Yep. Keeps it fresh. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, move on to um, um, Malachi. Um, what uh, suggestions or what would you like to see moving forward? Yeah. Uh, you know, I get, I got a little bit of time to think about it. Uh, and this is a, a love-hate, a love-hate relationship. Um, I uh, really enjoyed the variants of uh, paradigms. Yeah, paradigms. Like we went to uh, the land before time, in quotes. Um, and then we also went to, you know, uh, a Dyson sphere. That is, and that those are two very, very far apart paradigms. And then there's just I know that there's so many more. Um, it can be challenging to make your magic work when you get to some of the ones that are more against the technocracy or, you know, that, that particular perspective. But, um, I enjoy and looking forward to the, seeing the variance of, of, uh, of the places that can be, that can be gone to. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that's going to be the, the focus of, uh, the next, um, show really is going to be a, a major focus on trying to be very episodic and very you know every episode we're going to be going somewhere in the umbra um somewhere different um possibly re revisiting some places but uh for the no, most just... part i'm going to try and try and make it different every game and try and make it uh you know f feel like it's a very different game every game almost you know by going to a completely different world I wouldn't mind some two-parters, though. Yeah, and I mean, those are just going to naturally happen. Um, yeah. You know. Cool. All right, um, so... Um, let's see here. Robert, do you have anything um, that you would like to see going on in Season 2? Really, I'm kind of just looking forward to see where it's going. Most of my focus, I think, going into Season 2 is now that I've got a little more idea of what to expect from the World of Darkness world and that kind of thing, I can start trying to put a little focus on a little more of a backstory and kind of some of the background things that happen with my character, too, um, kind of going forward. Nice. Yep. Cool. So... Um... I think so one of the things that uh, I want to talk about now is just going to be, um, you know, kind of wrapping up some of the loose ends 
that we that we have in season one and kind of how it all ties back to Mudden. Um, so at the end of season one, you guys um, destroyed Mudden. Not only did you destroy Mudden, you destroyed all of his copies. Um, and a feat that was not accomplishable by or thought of by anybody else at this point. Um, and there's a few other, you know, kind of things that are still going to be kind of hidden back there. Um, but one of the big things that kind of comes out of all of this is that, to a certain degree, this was also a test um, to see what you guys would do, to a certain degree. Um, now, there's definitely, Mudden was doing a bunch of stuff, and he was trying to get bridges executed, and he was, you know, trying to invade Mars, and all of these things were were happening, um, and but the uh, a lot of the choices, as you kind of saw at the very end, were to be made by your group. And one of the ideas um, behind this is that your group is going to be the next generation, and they know that the next generation needs to be, um, you know, have some agency in what's going on in this world. Um, and so, um, it is one of the reasons why you guys, even though by defeating Mudden, you're not going to be losing your destiny, um, there is still, you know, the end of the world 1999, um, event that's, you know, happening still. And you, they believe you play a large role during and possibly after that event. Um, but at this point in time, General Bridges is back, all job, uh, all charges have been dropped on him, and we're going to start season or uh, Technogate 1999 with Tech uh, with Technogate back underneath his control. Um, we the investigator that is looking into your guys's attempted murder. Um, he was Mudden, and he's going. Uh, he he basically explodes when you guys do your ritual, um, and. Um, you you basically accomplished to um, you know you you did your dragon's bidding by killing Mudden um, basically um, the other major um, kind of uh, loose ends that we kind of have is all of the demon cults and stuff like that and they've kind of all gone underground or you know kind of vanished at this point although we might see those pop up. Um, and there might be some more stuff going on with demons and stuff, um, you know, involved with the, the larger end of the world arc here. Um, but for the most part, all of the um, major kind of events uh, or kind of loose ends that we kind of have at the end of season one are kind of going to get wrapped up. And it takes a couple of weeks, you know, things are kind of um, in motion. But in the end, you guys are accommodated for your valor and and you're you know destroying mud and is like a huge thing so you guys all get you know huge accommodations on your records as well as like a medal of um i don't know if it would be valor or something like that um for for your actions that's um, good because i was wondering if we were gonna have to keep this a secret and everyone just assumed he disappeared <laughs> well guys we got everything turned back on did you see any issues nope <laughs> yeah everything was great here yeah it was, it was a fun time staying at the dyson guys Mudden was trapped there right like these guys definitely would have run into him 
<laughs> what the hell happened there? Uh, but yeah, uh, anybody have any questions, comments, concerns, um, anything that I missed? All right, cool. Um, I am going to then um, bring us to a little commercial break here, and uh, we'll be back in probably about uh, 10 minutes or so, so stay tuned. Um, the next kind of segment that we're kind of going to be going into here is kind of flushing out the characters a little bit more, making sure that they've got all the backgrounds that they need at this point, um, and all the little gadgets and stuff that, that they, you know, kind of want to make. Um, so we're going to be probably using uh, the How Do You Do That book um, to a certain degree here, um, as well as just kind of going over some of the stuff. Um, so during the break, we kind of did talk a little bit about a couple of things. So we're currently talking about uh, um, mind control bullets was uh, the very last thing that we were just discussing. Um, and is that something that you want to you wanna do as a project with these guys? I was going to get the feasibility. I was kind of feeling out the feasibility um, if, it's, if, it's, if it seems like it's possible or not. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of the bullets in my. I'm picturing just eventually getting like a whole, you know, uh, 128 marker set of different colors of bullets that I can pull out and put in the pistol and and do special things. Uh, uh, I think I would see that more as like a syringe gun, like a Fallout syringe gun type of deal. A serum would probably work better than a bullet. Yeah. Um, I guess that there's a, a small amount of comic com comedic factor there of just the idea of shooting somebody with a bullet and then being just like, "Oh, do you need some help?" Like, "Yes, I need to know." You know, and you just start talking to him. Bullets friendly. What was that, Mike? I think if you shot me with a gun, I would be pretty compliant. <laughs> uh, uh, but, that's... but my idea was um, uh, maybe like a beanbag round out of a shotgun that released some uh, mind control spores. That would, that would put it in the life category. Life mind. Ooh. That's an interesting concept. Now I gotta carry a shotgun as well. Wait, how big is my pistol? Can I make a? Yeah, you could make like a little bean baggy, same kind of thing. It would just be way less damage, you know. 
Well, um, to be honest, if I'm using the mind control bullet, the damage is probably very secondary anyway. Right. Yeah. So the idea of of having that go away, so I don't actually have to, di- you know, because I could use them on regular people, just because it won't immediately kill them because they just got shot. Uh, so that's a porous rubber bullet that might uh, fit the gun's design a little bit better because you know when it bounces, the spore, the the pores shoot out the the spores of the. The zombie spores. Yeah, maybe, maybe a paintball pistol. Um, you could also base it on some I mean, of those, the because um, even though um, we're you know we're not going to be continuing a lot of the storylines, these guys still will have that vampire blood. Um, so Phaedra could also base it on the concepts of uh, how vampires use blood in order to. Said uh, um, uh, it's not you the the mergey. What what is that called? Um, that's uh, just blood bonds. Oh yeah. That was uh, what I inspired it. <laughs> uh, it was it was hearing hearing uh, how that was working. That that's actually what inspired the idea. Uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> nice. One device that I do want uh, is a scalp scalpel of correspondence, uh, which it cuts through bone. And when you cut a body part, it retains its blood flow and sensation until it's referred to a different body. Um, well, it sounds like you'd be able to actually make a gadget instead of a device out of that. Um, um, so and that was one thing that we were kind of just talking about before was uh, the differences between a device and a gadget. And a, div- a gadget is something that's created using magical spheres but in itself doesn't have an arate score and therefore you know is based upon the the rules you know of when it's created it you know it's like a scalpel that basically like what you said a scalpel that does something specific or something like that whereas um a wonder has a arate score and spheres inside of it and then a multiplitude of different things that it can do based on the spheres that it has. Um, now, it doesn't It doesn't get the, like, can do whatever it wants. It still has parameters that it has, but it uses its Arate score um, instead of your Arate score. Um, I believe you can still use your Arate score if it's higher. Um, but the basis of, of what you're talking about definitely sounds like it would be something um, you would probably need. Do you have forces? Or you like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the book at the device, uh, and it's called Scalpel of Correspondence and has correspondence of three. Okay. Um, does <laughs> is um, does that have an Arate score, or is it just a... That is, yeah, like, I think you have to have an Arate of three to use it, which I do. Um, no, if it says it has an Arate of three, it means that that actually has an Arate of three. Really? Um, yep, and so it takes prime... Because well, it doesn't it doesn't say Arate, it just has like three dots in front of it, and then says Gulfwolf's correspondence, does that mean it's, that's oh. Arate? So th- those three dots in front of it means that if you're buying that with a background, um, so there's backgrounds that you can get in Mage that allow you to pick um, different wonders and different devices. Um, so this is uh, definitely probably in the device section, but it's probably similar to the concept of there probably is other things inside of there as well. But there's like the um, 
there's like the jacket or whatever that is just basically using matter three in order to like strengthen it um and all you'd need is that thing in order to make that um but it doesn't need um you don't necessarily need that background you just need um and you don't need to make a special wonder for what this item is, it sounds like. It sounds like this one doesn't have an Arate score of its own, and it's a specific um, gadget. Which, 20th anniversary is when they really started doing a really good job of differentiating the difference between... So a lot of the older books are going to just call almost everything devices. Um, okay. But this definitely sounds like it's a gadget. So it's something that can be created uses, using, um, what did you say? Was uh, was that Life 3 or? Correspondence 3. Correspondence 3. Yeah, so if you have Correspondence 3, you can make this item, um, which is a, a gadget, basically, that can do this. Or you can have that background and um, at character creation, you can create these things. Or when I give out... Um, and there's ways of buying backgrounds in Mage through experience points. Um, but it sounds to me like you'll you'll have Correspondence 3 to make it, right? Yeah, I have it. Yep, so I'll allow you to, to make that uh, gadget then. Not a problem. A lot of times when you add stuff with backgrounds, uh, it's supposed to happen like through storytelling. Uh, and I can see... I could see Moxie having a lot of this stuff. I mean, Maxie. Yep. <laughs> okay. I think you're still supposed to spend experience points to get it, though. I mean, it depends on how how it goes about the like if it's part of the story and she gives you something because i had her give you something you don't have to spend experience points but if you're just using her as a reasoning and you just want to easily get the item you can just spend the experience points and then you have to have a, a reason behind getting that item yeah that uh, brings me to a quick question Will you allow me to spend... Can I take experience into the negative? Uh, specifically to get a ret for. Um, I'll have to go to negative two. Pre-spending two dots of experience. Hmm. You know, since you this is that? a much better time, actually, for your character to get the bump in a ret instead of at the very beginning of you know, the, as soon as the next game rolls over, I will allow it. Um, but it's definitely something that needs to be sanctioned. Um, okay, yeah, that's that's, that's a, fair. That's, that's a good enough reason, I think. That's fair. Um, I may even uh, choose to self-sanction and using it for the first session, but I'll have it paid off, you know. So the I got to come up with how am I how am I expanding my knowledge of the universe. Yeah, definitely. And and if you write up something, I'll just give you two experience if you if you actually put something in writing for me. And uh, I think that that'll be um, a way if you want to go down that path. But if you just want to think about it um, and then spend the experience when you get it, which will be the next yeah, I, game. Which I, actually, I, I, actually, at the end of this, I'm going to give you guys all 
Um, and I might as well give it to you at this point in time, <laughs> since we're at this this point. Um, I'm going to give you guys all four experience points um, just for this little session that we're having here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I like I want to yeah. write something up, but I'm afraid that I'm going to end up getting. In, I'm going to, you know. It's really easy to say something casually that actually has very uh, impactful uh, <laughs> meaning, you know. When it's in writing, oh man, it's so much yes. different. <laughs> once it's once it's on paper, then all of a sudden it is. Right, I'm going to just notate that. Uh, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to think about it. Um, uh, uh, it's a that's a nice it's a nice burning of of this experience. Well, it's not burning; it's getting a red four. That's awesome. But I will uh, I'll I'll come up with something. I'm cooking something up. Cool. So anybody else have any other devices or ideas or, or things that they kind of want to go over with their character? Um, I know that... Uh, you know, uh, I, want, yep. I wanted to talk about... Uh, it's, it's the item that I've had from the beginning of the game. Uh, called my dad's gun belt. Uh, so the main thing in that is the laser gun, which for whatever reason I have been able to use this whole time. I think probably because it's fairly simple, like it's point and shoot kind of thing. Like it just works. But there's, I've kind of hinted at it before. There's like a bunch of other pouches on this belt and I don't understand them yet. Like, there's little devices and cords that come out and shit like that. Um, so, I was thinking about almost making it a catch-all. Like, it's... Like, as my spheres go up, like, new devices almost appear, or the ones that are on there, I, I suddenly understand them. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it can be a pretty, um, I mean, one of the things that I would say is that that is going to be a, um, a very unique, um, foci for you. Um, so you can look into, I would say, look into the rules on unique foci and stuff like that. Um, and it sounds like that would be a really good interesting foci for your character to, to link a lot of his um, stuff to. I mean, it, it's kind of like the similar um, attitude of like, I mean, Iron Man can do a lot of stuff outside of Iron Man's suit, but almost all of his quote-unquote magic is tied to having an Iron Man suit around him. Um, yeah. And just like your character would be able to do a lot of stuff without the belt, but your character should tie a lot of your devices and abilities and even your off-the-wall magic um, or, uh, sorry, procedures um, as being um, something that is tied to your belt. And uh, one of the things, though, that we haven't really talked about with your belt, though, is the arete of your belt. Does your belt, because you've been using it as a wonder, but so far, almost everything you've been doing with it has been very device, um, or sorry, is very um, gadget oriented, because yeah. um, it's more of like a yeah. specific, which, which wonders can do, um, but a lot of wonders also have a arete 
that um, allow you to do a force three effect that you use the arate for trying to damage somebody rather than the standard attack roll. Um, so is and so so far we've been using the the gun aspect of it as very much as if it's a gadget, um, and it doesn't use arate in order to do that. Do you want to go in deeper with this being something that's more of like a um, a wonder that doesn't have, or if it does have an RT, it's not really a big factor in what it does. Yeah, no, that's an interesting question. Like, I, I guess when I when I first came up with it, I, I almost didn't consider that there was other stuff other than the gun. But I like this idea that, like, as my character is moving forward, and you know, I've made this huge thing about the the fact that my father disappeared and it's a big part of my psyche. Like, like my character development is almost tied to my understanding of the belt moving forward. You're like every main protagonist in a video game who lost all their abilities. Every time you pass a level, you unlock one more pack from your your utility belt. Yeah, like uh, like every time I buy a dot, there's like a uh, a device on the belt that's associated with it. Are Are you looking for uh, device ideas, or because um, I just thought of one that I liked? Well, what's what's the one that you like that you thought of? Uh, you know, like how Displacer Beast has that fifty fifty. You know, that kind of mirror image. Um, it basically, yeah, there's there's like a kind of like a stealth boy where you click it on and then you can move, but you also stay there. And then when you shoot, you know, you can shoot from surprise or something, something along those lines. Uh, just something to physically locate you differently than what's expected um, for the next attack or the next, you know, in quotes. Yeah, some stuff like that would be cool. I mean, it it would make sense for, you know, an interstellar, interdimensional adventurer to have stuff like that. Yeah, especially it makes negotiations a lot easier when you can stand right in front of them. Now, talking to them through it would be probably a whole other level. But, uh, um, I, I, it's just, yeah, it's a... Uh, I do like the idea of having having this thing that you have... That uh, that you get, you have the, the you know, like there's the idea that it's unknown; and it'll be discovered later. I I like that. You know, once you earn it, in quotes. Yeah, I think I think the mechanism would be over time. I can discover uh, rotes, so very specific, or rather procedures like specific procedures that I can do using the belt at just a lower difficulty. Yeah, so uh, you're looking for more of the the unique foci aspect out of it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but then, uh, let me just throw this out there. Some of the procedures that I find are just really fucking weird, like specific things that make me question where the hell my father was, like what he was doing uh, in his adventures. That could be fun. 
where it's like like finding out a, a certain procedure is like a clue. <gasps> Ooh, it's yeah. a treasure map. Interesting. And you still do have your father's book as well. Well, uh, I am at it. Yeah. <laughs> And those, those are things we're going to definitely continue looking into and doing stuff with in Season 2. Your character background stuffs are, are stuff I want to delve into more for sure um, in the next uh, story. Yeah, speaking of that, we got to find out more about Robert's background. There's got to be all sorts of weird, crazy things there. Yeah. Someone yeah. who acts that plane has too many secrets. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see what that is too. <laughs> to be to be uh determined. Uh find out next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have like it it'll it'll be this like mysterious episode where like after we get to know all of the characters it gets to Robert and it's like it's like, wait a minute, we don't know anything about Robert. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> and then we find out that Robert actually is a clone this entire time. Would not be oh, surprised. In. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. He's a mudden clone that prevented his own death during the procedure that we did. Right. Oh, oh. man. He was able. He was able to because he was part of the procedure. He also hates himself, and so is fine with killing all the rest of all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, those guys are a bunch of pricks. So you really shouldn't let your backstory just be uh, be written by <laughs> us. You never... Yeah, don't leave it up to the audience, man. That yeah, you could end up dangerous. with some. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, my mother was in a fandy, my father was a <laughs> werewolf, and... And I got on this team how? <laughs> I'm General Dick's son. I am Samsonite. <laughs> <laughs> You got you got stuck in time. Yep, memory got memory got damaged or stolen, <laughs> or you oh, locked it away fucked. for the safety of fountain of youth. But it brought <laughs> back your memories so that you didn't remember that you were Brock Samson. So now you're just the young 20-year-old Brock Samsonite, but only with the memories of a young 20-year-old Brock Samsonite. But that's why you're really quiet about everything that's going on, because you're like, well, <laughs> I kind of feel like it should be the 70s, but I guess it's the 90s. <laughs> it's, I heard it's 1998. Buck Samsonite, not Brock. Oh, yeah, Buck. Oh, yeah. Well, Brock, Buck. Uh, what's... Uh, what? What it, uh, oh, it's Brock Rogers of the <laughs> what I've thought because I like when you said Buck Samsonite, I thought for sure that there that was a real um, like Hollywood character, or comic book character, <laughs> and so I'm like, and so there's Brock, uh, and I don't know what Brock's last name is in from the Venture Brothers, right? 
and then there's uh and then there's buck uh what did i just say buck uh buck rogers buck rogers and so like i was like searching all over the internet and all i could find was buck rogers and some <laughs> buck samsonite um it's like a, a, a luggage company or something like that <laughs> I was very confused. Yeah, Samsonite is a luggage company. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's no like current Samsonite company that's like a big deal. So it seems like a retro like work. <laughs> it was awesome. I like I scoured the internet trying to find this guy. <laughs> Couldn't find anything on him. Uh, uh. The, the character from Venture Brothers, his last name is Samson. So that was definitely where I got that from. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was, I'm more familiar with Duck Dodgers than I am with uh, Buck Rogers. When Daffy Duck runs around in space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Duck Dodgers of the 21st and a half century. Yes, I remember that. You know, the Martian guy. Yep, with the Martian guy. With the Martian guy, yeah. They they had some some quality antics, with the like the, they had pistols that shot messages back and forth. That's totally some. That's <laughs> that's totally some ropes that they had uh, they had prepared correspondence ropes. I bet my gun does that. You can shoot a message and it just like stops right in the air and then un- unveil unveils, <laughs> like. Just the paper rolls out and just says has words on it. Yeah, it also does aggravated damage. <laughs> All the nasty grammar. Oh, uh, yeah. So what I was thinking for uh, for Robert Kell, you know, you you've been uh, like the the stuff that you've been doing before this. Uh, what is it? You, you you do after action reports and like yeah, like uh, debrief, mental like uh, wellness checks and stuff for debriefs and dealing with some of the the outpatient stuff from uh, some of the trauma experience that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just kind of thinking of like, well, first of all, you would actually know a shit ton about the stuff that's out there because you have to listen to all the stories. Well, so I was at like a really low. I was at like the, the basically the ones they could trust with like civilian type stuff. So wow. they, it wasn't the people who saw the the super deep shit. It was more the people who probably didn't make it very far. <laughs> yeah, they were probably the people that came back just like freaking about the concept of alternate realities in general, and and you know like. Like, they couldn't even handle the base concept of, like, being shown that there actually are alternate realities. That's probably about as far as, as his character hey. probably got. Maybe a little bit deeper than that. I was going to say a good, uh, bit of, I guess, almost retcon would be that I more specialize in the early washouts kind of debriefing people that, that had washed out early, didn't make it too far. And uh, some of the stuff they had seen. 
So you you're you're getting the people who didn't have enough information to be erased. Yeah. 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 They had they had maybe brushed the edges of some of the stuff, but uh that's why I was kinda in the dark of just how deep this all went. Yeah. You label people as schizophrenic. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this this man's obviously broken from the stress. No, he saw all of that. There is also the aspect, uh, or the possibility, that, like, they saw some shit that they couldn't explain, you know, because they couldn't understand it, and you were the guy that helped them justify it in their mind. So you were just kind of like... So I had to be detached in order to help them build that... Yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm thinking of that scene from the beginning of the first Men in Black movie, where it's like, nope, that was a uh, that was swamp gas. <laughs> that was swamp gas, right? Yeah, that was that was swamp gas. It's like, okay, you are mentally fit to go back to society now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so you you would be really good at convincing people of shit. Yeah. Maybe even really good at convincing yourself that you're not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So weirdly enough, and this this fits in well with the fact that I didn't actually know what was going on behind the scenes because it worked better. I'm terrible at subterfuge. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, just... yeah, so you <laughs> <laughs> it's not about lying to yourself. It's about no, just I, I actually thought these people were unwell, so I was just helping them out. <laughs> Man, right. I have to figure out have to figure out my mental state. <laughs> yeah, your character going through the whole like uh mud and being dead is uh gonna have uh gonna be interesting to see that in in the next upcoming story um definitely something um i look forward to kind of going in and using yeah next season as more of a delve into your characters and check out other realms but and we probably even though in the background there's going to be the whole resistance you know fighting this nameless and trying to stop the end of the world type stuff I believe next season is not going to have really that much focus on that. Um, we probably won't, uh, we'll probably end the season right about when that stuff really starts to heat up. And then, um, then, you know, the next season after that, we'll probably deal with the end of the world, um, you know, type thing. And then, and as we all know, you know, well, it just, it might just be the beginning or you might stop it. Who knows? But, uh, Yeah, this I think doesn't uh, really start until like season four, right? <laughs> yeah. That's when the end of the world really ends. Um, but yeah, I think uh, um, we'll go ahead and wrap it on up here, and uh, um, you know, prepare and get everything all set up uh, for season two that we'll be um, calling. We'll be calling Technogate nineteen ninety nine. Um, and that will be debuting on January 25th. So um, this is uh, Frozen Fallout signing off. Uh, this is Moto Rory saying good night.
Jesse Mouth says bye bye peeps. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. I forget. Uh, Malachi is saying uh, late later. I'm really bad at these. <laughs> awesome. I think, well, I think we got through catchphrases. Uh, so, well, thank you guys. Uh, we uh, will get everything set up, and uh, thank you for your comments too, especially um, on how to uh, improve the game for next season. And I look forward to trying to implement that. So, all right, have a good one.